Hey everyone and welcome to the Kickabout. England take another step towards World Cup qualification and Newcastle are in the money. I'm your host Chris. I'm Fran. And I'm Dan. Welcome in everybody. Welcome to episode number 57 of the Kickabout. Um, There's not really a great deal that happened this week, wasn't it? It was quite an average week. Well, who am I kidding? Newcastle have got loads of money. <laughs> so we did try and get Shearer on the show tonight. Um, unfortunately, just timings and availability just didn't really work for, for tonight. So he's going to be on the show next week, um, which times in quite nicely with the fact that Newcastle is playing Spurs this weekend. So we'll have a Body little... A catastrophe. Mini, mm. <laughs> yeah, mini, well, either that or Newcastle are going to be brought very much back down to earth <laughs> again. So, yeah, he'll be on the show next week and we will go through uh, sort of the, the fan side of the reaction. We'll obviously go through in greater detail in the second half of the show. Um, but until then, let's do the usual. Oh, no, where's my button's gone? Oh, no. Yeah. Hang on, there's one. Down the stat, man. So uh, Tammy Abraham became the first England player to score for the Three Lions while affiliated to an Italian team. Since who? Ooh. This is this going to be quite an old player? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you the clue. The clue is it was in 1995. So 95. Quite a tough one. Okay, there's a couple of people I might be able to uh, try with that one. We shall see. You were one then. Yep. Of course, no Fantasy League update this week because there is no update to to provide. So we'll get back on to that next week. And just a quick reminder, we do have our first Patreon. Um, uh, We have one very kind person. You know who you are listening. Thank you very much for your donation to the show. If anybody else wants to get involved, the links are on our social media pages. So do get involved there. The... Amount is completely optional. The show will go on, as we said, without it. But if you do want to support us for new equipment and new features, then it is very, very much appreciated. So let's get into International Week. Don't we just love International Weeks? Mm. It seems to come around a lot quicker these days as well, I bloody it? love International Break. Do you actually? Why? Yeah, because I love our England squad. Oh, okay. And it brings back all the England content on YouTube, which I love. Oh, what, like all the behind-the-scenes yeah, stuff? Yeah, I love that stuff. I haven't I, seen much this time. Well, oh, what's, well, talk me through it. What's been going on? Well, they just, like, on the... They film, like, all their arrivals, because I'm, like, genuinely into the squad. <laughs> they film all the arrivals and, like, just them, like, getting off, off off the plane, getting out of the car and, like, going into the amazing... What is it? St. James... Is it... Where are they? Is uh, it St. James's Park? No, I know. St. George's. St. George's, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that amazing place. And then just, like, all the behind-the-scenes of them, like... All the stuff that happens, them like training, warming up, doing all the physio, practicing out on the on the pitch. You loving all that? You're it's just interesting. I know. I know. I I I Fifty-seven episodes of this show, and I don't think I've ever seen you as excited as you are right now. I would be. Like I love, you know, like the the um, Man City documentary and all that. Mm. I just love all the behind the scenes stuff, and I guess because I'm. Like I'm into the whole fitness aspect. I love like seeing what they do to warm yeah. up and like I know what you all mean. the physio stuff. When I when I um when I first started doing my football coaching badges when I was younger, when I started going to watch games, I no longer watched the warm ups for a bit of a laugh to see who was shit at shooting. I was watching the drills and thinking, right, oh, I'll take that yeah. back and do that at training this week. Um, and it's the same. You're saying behind the scenes stuff. It's the uh, the Formula One series on Netflix. It's the same mm. thing. Seeing everything that goes on behind closed doors, away from the cameras, mm. it is quite interesting to see how it all how it all pieces together for what we then see on a, on a match day. So, mm. um, so yeah. So, but not to worry anyway, because there's another break coming up in four weeks' time. So, Fran, you'll be very pleased to hear about that. Winner. Um, 
to the game though um, fairly routine victory but in the end there's every chance it may not have gone ahead did you guys see the uh, the fireball that was at Andorra's ground I did not I was out what I didn't happened? know about it until you told me on the night what happened so obviously it's quite um, <clears throat> quite a small pitch it's a, th- a 3G AstroTurf pitch with a quite a small ground as you might expect for a, a country the size of Andorra and the one, the, the one, the time that I saw it was a Sky Sports reporter was there doing some kind of preview of the game, you know, as they do, and they're just the complete, just casual nonchalance about the man who obviously gets it pointed out to him, and he just basically goes, and I've just been pointed out something here. There appears to be a fire on the other side, and, you, and the camera pans. And the thing is, like, in golf, it looks like bonfire night. And he is so calm and casual about it that he just report, carries on reporting, trying to sort of do it off the cuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and because of the way the ground is, the fire was literally three feet from the side of the pitch on this on this building, and there was a block of flats above it as well. Mm. So I sort of saw that and was expecting, like, oh, this game is never going ahead. And, yeah, they did. They, all they did was they just sort of barred it, yeah, barred it off with some, uh, yeah, some whiteboards and um, away the game went. So uh, to the game then. So what did we, um, what did we think about the, the game itself? It's, it's difficult to really draw huge amounts of conclusions when you're playing with respect sides like Andorra. But uh, mm. what did you pick out from the game? Phil Foden had a good game. Is what I picked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. watching all of it, it was just like, another pass into the box, another pass into the box. Yeah, it was more like a training drill, to be honest, rather than I mean, he a, played a like World his, Cup qualifying. His yeah. B team, didn't he? <clears throat> he did, yeah. And what interesting, what was interesting about Phil Foda's performance was that he played a lot more centrally than we've mm. seen him play. Um, and it just made me think about, is there a future for Phil Foden in a more central role for England? We've seen him for Man City play pretty much everywhere across yeah. the midfield and, and up front. I think he's a pretty versatile player. He is. And I just think that the position that he, or Southgate, has tended to deploy him in, which is that right wing role, it's quite a competitive area mm. for England. So I just wonder, perhaps, from Phil Foden's point of view, he might be better suited to actually trying to go for a more central role, do you think? Um, I think it depends who he's teamed up with as well. Yeah. I thought he did quite well on the right, to be honest, um, during the Euros. Yeah, I think mean, obviously he didn't play as much as perhaps we thought he was going to mm. in the Euros. Obviously, all the talk and all the hype before the Euros was pretty much all about Foden and yeah. he was going to be the next gas going for us and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And but, his hairdo. And his hairdo, yeah, didn't, <laughs> uh, didn't help dampen that. But um, I, I really did think that his range of passing, his, his ability to hold on to the ball in tight areas, it's something that we actually don't really have mm. in that mm. sort of central midfield attacking role. With respect to Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips, yes, they can retain the ball and play passes and stuff, but they don't have that ability to pick out those sorts of passes that Phil Foden does. Mm. Um, so I just wonder, would, you know, I mean, the formation that Southgate usually plays, he usually plays the, the two in front yeah. and then he'll play the three across with one up front. So could that man in front of that two be Phil Foden in the future? Yeah. Don't see why not. So what about uh, Sancho, another man that I thought played quite well? Yeah, I thought he had a really good game, to be honest. And he destroyed that player's career, didn't he? <laughs> we shouldn't laugh because the bloke was 41 years old. Um, but he, you, you could just see in his face the sheer desperation yeah. of trying to keep up with him. And then he did the full... <laughs> well, it wasn't quite the full FIFA injury because he didn't have the yeah, hand up in the he air. He didn't drag it a little bit, he just yeah, collapsed. He just it? literally collapsed like he'd been shot. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I thought Sancho's performance was quite in contrast to the sort of performances we've seen him give so far from Man United. So what do you think is different about England? What do you think, why hasn't it clicked for United yet, but we're seeing it in England shirts? Um, one, because he's just not been given a chance at United. I think he started one game. And um, I feel like a player, especially when they go to a new team, you need, you know, like five games or so yeah. in a row to start getting used to it, start getting into the team. Uh, you can't get used to it by playing 10 minutes, 20 minutes here and there coming on. Um, and it's just very different tactics at United. It's um, hit and hope. Whereas with England, it's actually play the ball around and work up. Whereas Jaden Sancho is not a, a sprint in behind like Rashford player. <laughs> He's a player that likes the ball to his feet and will dribble with the ball. Yeah, and take people on. Yeah. yeah, so I just don't think... Ollie's playing to his strengths at all. Yeah, and I, I do think there is an, a huge element of confidence, or sort of manager confidence with him. I feel like Southgate is the sort of man that, you know, whether you like him or you love his tactics or anything like that, the one thing you can't deny is the fact that he's very much got the players on side and they mm. all believe in him, they all believe in each other. Mm. And I feel like that is such an important thing for a player to have a manager that genuinely believes in your ability and and, and your what you bring to the team. And then with Man United, and I just, you know, it's a little bit like Van der Beek currently, and also Luke Shaw when he was under Mourinho. You see the yeah. difference of when a manager comes in and believes in him, and all of a sudden Luke Shaw is arguably one of the best left backs in the world now. Mm. Donny Van der Beek is, was one of the hottest prospects in Europe, and now he's yeah. almost a completely forgotten man at United. Yeah. So the um, Dutch coach had a dig at Oli as well. Did he? Yeah, he did. Who is the Dutch coach right now? Is it Van Hart? <laughs> uh, Van Hart, yeah. yeah. But it was his assistant, uh, Daily Blind's dad is mm-hmm. it Donny Blind? I can't remember his name, but he did like an article in the newspaper about just how misused uh, Van der Beek is at United. And... Well, I mean, they're not wrong, are they? <laughs> no, no. Misused? He's not used. <laughs> well, yeah, true. So, and then the the other um, sort of surprise surprise ish inclusion, I guess, was Tammy Abraham mm. ahead of the game. Now he's been doing really well in Roma under Jose Mourinho, yeah. um, scoring goals on a fairly regular basis. I think he's almost one in two average at the moment, mm. I think, for them. And I felt his all-round performance was actually quite impressive. Yeah, I think he suits Italian football. And I think he's another confidence player, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Um, a bit like Werner. Oh, team <laughs> Do we need to start some kind of charity for him? <laughs> I do feel bad. <laughs> so, yeah, but the one thing that impressed me most about Tammy Abraham was his, uh, his ability to bring the ball down. Mm. That he wasn't looking for those flicks with his head he wasn't looking for those sharp quick passes he was trying to bring the ball down and actually hold the ball up and link with the midfield which is something I don't recall him doing that often at Chelsea I mean Chelsea fans can correct me if I'm wrong but maybe that's an Italian influence maybe yeah. that's Mourinho's influence no that ball comes to you you've got to hold it up mm. you know I don't want you flicking it on I want you bringing that ball down and, and laying it off to, to a supporting player yeah uh, plus he's a Mourinho player now isn't he so that's probably sort of Mourinho football that sort of football mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, let's just sort of touch on the, a couple of the goals. Um, Phil Foden, pretty pivotal to the first two. Mm. Wonderful passing behind for Sancho for uh, for Ben Chilwell to strike. A quite an important goal for Ben Chilwell as well. I mean, I hadn't heard about this, but then you told me that he's been having a bit of a tough time lately. Yeah, apparently he's he quite, played, he? quite. Yeah, apparently he's quite depressed that he didn't play for England at all at the Euros because he worked so hard for Chelsea that season to get into the team and then didn't play a single minute. Um, and yeah, apparently I was surprised he didn't play a minute. Like I would, I I thought he would have got some. I think he would have done if he hadn't have gotten if he hadn't gotten close to Billy Gilmore and 
had to put himself out of the team for COVID reasons. Mm. I feel like he would have been given a go against Croatia because we were pretty much already through by then. Did he miss the Ukraine game as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, was it two games? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he missed it. Who did we play in the first knockout round? Was it Ukraine? Uh, or was it somebody else? No, it wasn't, wasn't it? Germany. Yes, you're right. It was and Germany, then Ukraine. Then Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do feel for him. But it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we, when you watch these, these big tournaments and stuff, you don't actually take into appreciation no. the actual mental impact of not playing for your country and that big build up and you think well you've been you've been part of the English squad everybody was so happy we got to the final why wouldn't you be happy also especially for him <laughs> this is me reading into all the other stuff but obviously because he's like such good pals with like Mason Mount and Declan Rice and all that sort of stuff that obviously did play and did get the reward and for him to just be on the sideline like mm. it must be hard yeah, I guess it's a, a bit like a, a team, if you go and play a cup final and you just sit on the bench the entire game, you don't really feel like you're, you're even though you are part of the team, you don't feel like you've done anything to actually win anything. Yeah. And he only got called up for this because Tyrone Ming was injured. Oh, did he? He wasn't in the first, he wasn't in the selection for this England squad. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised he's not playing. He's not playing. Well, that's, that's Chelsea, what I mean. Yeah. So that's why it's pretty, that was his first England goal, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, so important moment for him, but I guess it's like, um, when, when you're in a change room, again, going back to Dan's example there of the FA Cup, but even at our level, if you've played most of the season for a team, but you've not really played many minutes, mm. when you get back into the change room and then all the players are all bouncing off each other, especially when the team is doing really well, mm. you almost don't feel like you can be part of that yeah, because you've not been on the pitch, you've yeah. not contributed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad for him that, you know, hopefully he's coming through that and he's got over the disappointment. Um, it's and- difficult though, like especially when you've got someone like Luke Shaw who was in the form of his life last season. Um, unfortunately you know there's only one left back spot and when it's taken by a player that's just playing better there's there's nothing really you can do it's a bit like the striker spot when you've got Harry Kane up there you know Calvert-Lewin Bamford uh, Watkins all fighting for the same spot but there's mm. only one spot unfortunately yeah it is and then the second goal um, uh, Bikayo Saka mm. latching onto the, another yeah, great Phil Foden pass mm. um, he's looking ever more at home in an England shirt isn't he yeah um, I think he's becoming one of sort of Southgate's first names on the team sheet, to be honest. Yeah, and it's again another um, sort of su- success story, I guess you could say, from 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 the World Cup. Uh, sorry, from the Euros, that could have gone so the other way with obviously the penalty miss and then mm. the the reaction or the stupid reaction that that garnered on, on social media, should we say? Mm. But he's already bounced back. I mean, he started to perform for Arsenal. He started to pick up results as well, um, and he's in the England team. And as you say, he looks totally at home. For somebody who, frankly, is so inexperienced yeah, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, um, and then third goal. Trying to think back to the third. The third goal was Tammy Abraham. Yeah, wasn't great defending from Mr. Lima, our forty-one-year-old <laughs> friend, was it? <laughs> you weren't even looking at the ball. It wasn't uh. defending anything. Stood there, wasn't it? Um, and then fourth goal. Uh, ooh, blimey! I remember the fifth goal, Jack Grealish. What was the fourth goal, Dave? Uh, Help me out here. Not. Help me out here. Where's my notes? Let me have a look through here. Uh, I can't remember the fourth goal. I can't remember either. Hold on. <laughs> I feel like this is a challenge now that I want to remember it. Well, while you, while oh, you... James Ward-Prowse, the penalty. Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't remember it, because you know, no one cared. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really, he didn't score for the penalty either, did he? Missed. No. <laughs> so, and then the fifth goal was Jack Grealish, another... Him, first England goal. First England goal, That yeah. was actually great from Sam Johnson as well. He just what lobbed, a throw. lobbed the ball up the pitch. Mm. No, just Dan Jackie puts, Grealish all over it. So me and Dan watched watched all 90 minutes here, and Dan actually said to me, should it count as an assist if the keeper is if he's out of his hands? 
my argument was is if a keeper can throw the ball and it bounces 10 yards into the opposition half, I think we give him the goal. It <laughs> <laughs> was great by him, though. No, it was really good. And to be fair, like Southgate has been saying in the press recently that he wants more goals out of, out of Greece, that he doesn't contribute enough in that area, which I think is a little bit of a... A weird statement given that Southgate hasn't exactly been playing in 90 minutes every game. Yeah. So. yeah. But to be honest, if anyone can turn him into a goal scorer, it would be Pep because he turned Sterling into someone that couldn't shoot in a barn door and he became really prolific at City. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of favour now, but I think Guardiola can turn him into a goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Uh, Hungary up next, expecting a different, uh, different England team. We suspect he'll probably revert to a much stronger first 11 for that game which mm. we, we think um, Hungary made life very difficult for us and they made life very difficult for their opponents in the Euros tend to run out of steam second half so do we expect who would you bring in then to make it stronger I suspect Southgate will revert back to Pickford. what he believes is his first 11 um, so we yeah Pickford Maguire will be back in Maguire's injured I think is he yeah okay. interested to see how Harry Kane is because he's just been a bit shit anyway. yeah I mean at the moment I wouldn't say he was well, he's done one in the Europa Conference League, scoring against Turkey fathers. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't play him. Maybe, uh, maybe Hungary with his level. Hungarian have got some decent players though. They playing like the Bundesliga and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think you would be too upset. I probably wouldn't be too upset if they started Tammy Abraham again after no. how he played and how he's been playing in Italy. Um, I think you're right. I don't think I don't enjoy watching Harry Kane. To be honest, it just winds me up watching him drop in at right back. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to need to curb that mm. uh, in this game, especially because we need to be able to stretch. And what we don't want to do is give their defenders an easy ride. Yeah. Somebody needs to occupy that team. Ironically, we were talking about whether Mikel Antonio, the timing of his sw- uh, switching of allegiances to Jamaica, mm. was actually quite ill-timed because with the injuries that we've currently got, he probably would have been in with a fair shout of being called up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Do you think he would have offered, do you think that, you know, he would have offered something quite different, that he would have seen more action for England, or do you think it was a bit of a, you know, he would have been called up and not played? I think he would have played, um, but I don't know if he'd be sort of taken to World Cups and stuff like that. That's the only thing. No, he does He does very much offer us something different than mm. Tammy Abraham, Harry Kane. The only one who's sort of in the same mould is Ollie Watkins, just without that yeah. physicality. What about Calvert-Lewin? Uh, I don't... I, I, still, I genuinely think that the only real comparable striker in terms of the physical traits in the Premier League is Romelu Lukaku. I'm not talking about general how good he is. I'm mm. just talking about the physical traits and how they how they play. Mm. He loves backing in defenders. He loves playing with the defender right behind him. Mm. Um, he'll smash people out of the way. He'll try and body as many people as he can along the way. I don't think Calvert-Lewin really plays like that. I think he's a bit more cute than that. Um, and I think he's probably technically a better player than mm. Antonio. Because Antonio can be very random yeah. with what he does. He can be absolutely unbelievable one minute and then fall over the ball the next, which is why we love him. <laughs> West Ham. Do you reckon he'll play John Stones? Or did it, was John Stones playing? He played. Game? He played. Yeah. If Maguire's injured, I suspect John Stones will probably play again. Yeah. Well, because I was just thinking because he hasn't played for City, has he? Yeah. Varane yeah. um, got injured for France. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then midfield-wise, we expect Phil- Phillips and Rice probably to come back in. Yeah. Um, I suspect you'll probably keep with Saka. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised we didn't. Saka and Grealish will probably start. Uh, yeah. I would say he's one of our stronger players. You can't not play Foden after that. Mm. Well, I think Southgate is very aware of the um, number of games being put on players at the moment, so I think he is very keen not Who's to... Who's he go right wing, left wing? I think he'll go Saka one side. Is Mount in the team? 
in the squad. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Mount will probably but play. He played. Then. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Come, he came he on for a bit. Oh, right. um, yeah, Mount could very well start. Lingard um, might start again. Yeah, I think from so, so uh, Southgate's point of view, he's very eager not to overuse players. Yeah, um, he doesn't want any injuries. Well, Lingard's getting plenty of rest at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can he give can him play the whole ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so right, okay, let's um, let's move on to the other internationals that were played. Um, let's talk briefly about the Scotland game. Um, I actually in- quite enjoyed watching. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights. I- was going to say that loved the highlights but more so because of the bloody commentators and the fans Mm. I was literally enthralled but just just because the fans were like yeah I just think it's more exciting for those sort of nations because they are actually really trying to qualify whereas for us it's so expected I was so excited for them and the pundits were literally going apeshit well the the Sky Sports um, pundit the Scottish guy he does all the Scottish football as well Mm. he does the Rangers Celtic game he is I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as to say bias, but you can tell in his voice he gets so unbelievably excited yeah. when Scotland do well, yeah. which I have no problem yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as you say, because these these games against teams like Israel, if this was England against Israel, it would be another game yeah. where we just like, oh, turn yeah. up, probably play mediocre football, win three 0 move on, and no one cares. And but, we, I mean, even us against like Poland, who are supposed to be the second strongest group um, team in our group, it's still a bit like oh, we should beat these. You know, it's like we're just expected to win the group and win every single game. Whereas for teams like Northern Ireland, Wales, they've actually got to battle it out with all these teams. And it's almost like being in the World Cup. Yeah, this is almost their World Cup group stages now, isn't it? Um, So, and Scotland's obviously their first international tournament for since 98, I believe, Mm -hmm. in the Euros. They're now second in their group as a result of this win, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's a real genuine chance that Scotland could get into two major tournaments in a row this would yeah. be huge for them yeah. mm-hmm. and nothing better than a last minute winner as well oh Aww. yeah so yeah let's talk about the um, yeah. let's talk about the goals there was a, a little bit of VR controversy in this one um, which ended up uh, going with the decision for a Scotland goal which was their equaliser their second equaliser mm. what did you guys make of that did you think it was a, a fair goal did you see anything wrong with that this was the high foot on the yeah. cross. I mean, I thought it was a bit high, if I'm honest. It was high, but the bloke was also doing a diving header. Mm. So for me, it's sort of 50... Because you can also get in trouble for having your head down low, can't you? Uh, what, in terms to if the player... Yeah, in terms of it's also dangerous to have your head too low. Yeah. So for me, it's sort of 50-50 and cancels each other out, in my opinion. I mean, bearing in mind the remit of VAR is to make sure that clear and obvious errors are overruled mm. now originally the referee overruled uh, ruled this as not a goal so are you surprised that VAR looked at this and yeah, decided guess, it's clear and obvious yeah I guess I guess I would say that if he's given it as not a goal then maybe they should have stuck with his original decision because it, I wouldn't have said it was clear and obvious no I wouldn't but at the same time I would have given it as a goal if that was my initial reaction yeah no I'm with you I, I personally don't think there was anything really wrong with it I think that the some of the angles made it look like the boot was really close to the head. Mm. When, and if you look at actually one or two of the other angles, they, it wasn't as close as no, it actually No, he, he did get there. He did get to the ball a little bit before the bloke actually came in with his head. If anything, he's headed the side of his boot rather than him almost kicking him in the face. Yeah. And then, of course, the third goal goes in uh, from that corner. McTominay steals in around the back, gets away yeah. from his marker. Wasn't the uh, prettiest of goals. Wasn't the prettiest of goals, no. They all count. But as you say, the crowd went absolutely nuts. When was it? Remind me of the last time, other than the major tournament, when was the last time England crowd ever went that nuts? Over again. The only not thing in I'm, a qualifying. Not in a qualifying. <laughs> I can remember when we played Croatia in the Nations League when we got a couple of late goals to overturn a 1-0 mm. loss and I think Harry Kane scored right at the death. I think the fans, in fairness, went pretty nuts then. 
I think, didn't we, years ago, didn't, like, I don't know if it was a qualifier or if it was actually in the tournament, but when Joe Cole scored, like, a free kick against Sweden, was that a qualifier? Uh, no, I feel like that was in a... In a tournament. In a tournament. Yeah, so no. Other than that, I can't think of it. <laughs> so, no, fair play to Scotland. They're second in the group now. Denmark look like they're running away with that group anyway. They haven't, they've not even considered a goal yet. Mm. And they've scored 26 in seven games. But, yeah, real real chance for Scotland to get in via the playoffs because I believe that the, excuse me, the top team from each group will go through automatically and then... I don't know what the exact ruling is, but basically if you come second, you go through into a sort of playoff, yeah, don't you? it also matters how you did in the Nations League as well. Oh, God, I forgot about that yeah. freaking tournament. So I don't know exactly how it all works, but it <laughs> <laughs> does that every time. So, you make um, it your ringtone. <laughs> I do that. Yeah, apparently, wherever you finished in that also gives you a boost, so I don't... A boost, how, do you know how so? I, I was, give you like a two start in the yeah, game or something. I, I started reading it and then I sort of switched off, but because I remember seeing <laughs> something about Scotland because that apparently they did quite well in the Nations League. Okay, so so that hopefully that'll benefit somehow, them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then talking of Nations League, I mean it's a competition that I'll be honest, I had pretty much forgotten about. Yeah, I didn't realize. Uh, I saw that France were playing Spain this week, mm. but I had no idea it was a Nations League like semi final, final, whatever it was. Um, but in the end, there was a bit of controversy in that game as well. How yeah. on God's earth was that? goal allowed it was miles offside I have no idea so like, when they were like oh I think it's offside I was like are you fucking kidding me of course it is <laughs> like I wanted them to, I mean I wasn't well I don't know if I wanted them to win or not I was but, kind of team Spain to be honest but I so offside also Hugo Lloris fucking playing like that for Spurs <laughs> honestly he saved so many goals at the end I was like where are you I'm for loving Tottenham. this new France night the passion this evening. it's international I, I love the international Delia Smith <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so for those of you that haven't seen this goal, effectively what happens is, is the ball gets passed through to Mbappe, who is quite offside. clearly offside by a good few yards. The defender comes across, tries to intercept the ball with a slide tackle. He touches the ball. Mbappe then gets the ball, goes through and, and, and scores past. It's a lovely job. It's a lovely goal. Lovely, mm-hmm. lovely finish from Mbappe. Now, I watched Sky Sports uh, earlier on, uh, on, on the, online and they were talking about this and they got old Dermot Gallagher on. Um, to do his ref watch or whatever it is that they call it. And effectively, he's saying that by the letter of the law, that is a legit goal because the defenders touched it. Now, my understanding of the rule was always that it had to be like a deliberate pass and not just a deflection through because if that's the case... Then People would just be kicking it at defenders trying to get it through. Yeah, you literally could have someone standing 20 yards offside, <laughs> yeah. pass through, make sure it nicks their knee on the way through and you're, you're through yeah. a goal. So... Uh, but I mean, in fairness to Dirk Gallagher, he did say that this is one of the rules that I wish they would change because mm. he doesn't agree with it at all. Because his argument, and I think the argument of a lot of fans, will be that that defender doesn't slide tackle the ball uh, and try and uh, try and intercept that pass if Mbappe is not in an offside position. If Mbappe is not there, he doesn't need to make so much of an effort to um, to intercept that pass. Mm. So by definition, he has to be interfering when that original pass is played. So yeah, it's. It's a really weird one, and I don't like the fact that it was given. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. How was it given when it went to VAR? As I, yeah, as I say, because the defend <laughs> because the <laughs> defender touched yeah, the ball. I, I just don't think that's right. No, I agree. It's yeah, ethic. I mean, they actually use the word like technically right, but ethically wrong is, mm. the, is the terminology that they used. Um, and I kind of have to agree with them. I think it was a really, really odd decision. Benzema's goal was good though. 
It was a very good goal, mm-hmm. in fairness to him. He's, Literally, uh, like, one minute after Spain had just scored. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, okay, uh, we are going to head for a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have, um, basically, the second half of the show is going to be all about Newcastle, um, because there's no other football that we want to go through, so we're going to talk a bit about Newcastle and the impact that the decision uh, to overturn the ruling of them being purchased has had. Uh, we will also be doing a segment on Newcastle as well, so, yeah, brace yourself, Newcastle fans. <laughs> this one's all for you. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show and as always we will jump straight into the section from the rugby blind side so handing over to Will. Hello everybody, Uh, the big story this week is of course the takeover of Newcastle United. What I'm going to do is go over the basic finances of the deal and the implications that we may see in the near future from the deal going through. So Mike Ashley has finally, after 14 difficult years on Tyneside, has finally sold Newcastle United for around 300 million. Uh, The transaction price not only covers the initial £134 million that Ashley paid for the club in the summer of 2007, but it also is set to wipe out the interest-free loans which are owed to the businessman as well. According to Newcastle's most recent accounts uh, from the 2019 and 2020 campaign, Ashley is still owed about £106 million, um, which is set to be repaid from this deal. So who are the buyers? Uh, The consortium of buyers are fronted by Amanda Staveley, who along with her husband and their firm PCP Capital Partners are assuming 10% of the deal. The Rubin brothers are assuming another 10%. And finally, the most controversial, but the majority of it is taken uh, by PIF, the 80% shareholders, which are otherwise known as the Sovereign, Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. This is the same consortium that officially withdrew last July um, over a deal to try and buy Newcastle United again. But this never happened because of the Premier League's relationship with B in Sport, which is a Qatar-based broadcaster that was banned from operating in Saudi Arabia at the time. This has now been resolved, which is why the deal at the moment has gone ahead. So what does this deal mean for Newcastle going forward? Uh, Well, the potential is absolutely huge. The... Saudi owners are worth a reported $320 billion. Um, This means that they can play in the transfer market. Uh, Despite the wealth, though, they will still have to comply with uh, financial fair play, which will mean the club can spend around $180 million per season uh, to stay within the rules. What they will do, though, is because every club knows that they have money, they will start overpaying for players, and this will also increase the uh, transfer funds for other clubs that are trying to compete with a similar type of players. On the commercial side of things as well, this is a fantastic deal for Newcastle. So since Mike Ashley took over 14 years ago, the commercial department of Newcastle United sales had grown a total of 1%, which compared with the Premier League average of 164% from other clubs. Uh, This was mainly because many brands did not want to be associated with the Mike Ashley brand and saw them as toxic and thought that fans might vote with their feet and not want to buy products that were associated associated with Newcastle United. So overall, the deal is absolutely transformative 
for Newcastle United and their fans. In my opinion, there is absolutely no reason why they should have any negative feelings towards the deal that has just happened. And all of us outside of the club will just have to wait and see how they're going to spend the money, what they're going to do in the future and what the future will bring for Newcastle United. Thanks again for listening and I'll be back next week with some more off-the-pitch news stories in football. Thanks very much for doing that, Will, as always. So we will... Uh, we will continue the Newcastle chat. Some really interesting stats to pull out from there. So let's just quickly pick apart one or two things that he uh, he talked about there before we talk about some of the stuff that's, uh, that we want to get to. Uh, 1% <laughs> merchandise uh, revenue or revenue increase, I think if I heard that right, mm-hmm. compared to the average 164% increase. It's uh, That's incredible. I, I mean, I knew there was ill feeling towards uh, Mike Ashley, but I didn't realise it was quite that bad. Yeah, I guess you sort of take it out on that. That's the only way you can take it out on the owner, isn't it? By uh, not buying the merchandise. I wonder if that's, you know, Newcastle fans, as you say, like not buying shirts every mm. year. You know, they're just still sort of wearing their Northern Rock ones from Alan Shearer Day yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, 14 years he's been there now. Um, the, the, I guess we can, we can sort of move on and, and talk about our bits because it's probably going to intertwine with, with what we were saying. Uh, he provi- Will provided a really good overview of the deal in terms of the financial structure, um, the reasoning behind it. And now I did see something earlier on today, which I think Pete tagged us in um, about an hour or two before the show. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. it on Facebook. Um, really interesting comment. I mean, I haven't vetted this by any means, but I have heard rumours of this before anyway. In that one of the the two main reasons that the deal didn't go ahead in the first place was because one was because of the the fact that Saudi Arabia didn't want the Premier League being shown over there, therefore pirate streams were happening all over the place, and Qatar, the the B in sports company, didn't like it. Now that they've overcome that, the Premier League are getting their money because it means that they are getting rights or they're selling their rights mm-hmm. now to Saudi Arabia as well. Um, it does make you wonder, actually. Was this ever about the human rights issues that Saudi Arabia have had for a very long time? Um, and was this just purely about money? Yeah, I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, I think so. Which is interesting because at the end of that, Will said about that, you know, he doesn't see why anyone should have a problem with it. Um, we'll start off with a bit of a broader question. Do we think this deal is good for football? And, and maybe for the Premier League as well? <clears throat> um, I think it's good for the Premier League because we'll start to see even more of the sort of top players joining, um, the likes of, you know, like future Messi's, Ronaldo's and Fred's. <laughs> <laughs> so I think He always g- gets a mention on the show, doesn't he? <laughs> Even when I'm talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Fred pillow at home. <laughs> um, I hope you haven't. <laughs> I think it's good for the Premier League, good for football. I, mm, probably not. Just put way more money in it. Yeah, probably not, but at the same time, you know, it's not showing any signs of slowing down. So. No, I do think we are almost past the point of no return with this. Yeah. Um, the only thing I worry about is the disparity between the clubs now. Not necessarily in the Premier League, although that will be to a point. We're talking about the bigger clubs and the, and the lower leagues. Mm. Excuse me, the, the, the dream of the lower clubs getting into the Premier League now mm. um, and being able to somehow compete with the big boys in the Premier League. Um, it's becoming a f- more and more far-fetched dream by the year. Well, I think this is why the likes of Derby are in such trouble because they're all 
sort of putting all their cards on the table trying to get into the Premier League and if it doesn't come off they end up shooting themselves in the foot speaking of Derby have you heard that Mike Ashley is rumoured to be interested in buying them oh yeah I remember you saying the other day I mean it'd be interesting I don't know I don't personally know any Derby fans but if there are any of you listening do get in touch I'd be interested to know what your feelings are about Mm. this I get the feeling like financially he would stabilise them, which right now I guess that is something they might want. But do they want 14 odd years of what Newcastle have just been mm-hmm. through with not a great deal of it's investment? Not invest, is it? Um, so and sit on it and earn his profits, I imagine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether Derby fans will be particularly excited about that, mm-hmm. but I don't know whether they'll just be happy that maybe they'll uh, get the debts off their club mm-hmm. and sort of balance the books a little bit. Um, the other controversy surrounding this deal was um, something to do with the actual uh, the owner. Um, so the uh, PIF's chairman is a guy called Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, who is the son of Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia's king. Uh, bin Salman, who's thirty six, he is known as MBS. He runs his dad's government, basically he runs it sort of all the back stuff. Um, and he was the guy that was accused of murdering uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Well, calling the hit. Calling the hit, yeah, organising it. Um, who was a journalist who was openly critical of the Saudi government, and this was something that happened, I think, a few years ago yeah. now. Uh, the the UN openly stated that the state of kingdom, uh, the state of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is wholly responsible for the death. Of course, the Saudi Arabian government have always denied this, but this is basically the guy that is, you know, rumored to be behind all this, mm. and he is now in control of a uh, of a Premier League club. Now he's done his bit to try and show that he is uh, reforming a the Saudi Arabia you know he's allowed women to drive for the first time in the history um, I, I think there's also been some other allowances here and there but nothing nothing bad but I mean they still you know being homosexual for example is still highly illegal and I think carries the I'm going to say it carries the death penalty I could be completely mm. wrong there but I'm pretty sure it's a fairly severe punishment maybe not as far as death but it's a very severe punishment so you know you can you can prance about how you're reforming all you like but if your idea of reforming is just allowing women to drive, then you've got a long way to go. Yeah, well, most of those countries still live in the dark ages, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, the Premier League approved the takeover um, after receiving legally binding assurances that the Saudi state would not control the club. I mean, if they're really that naive to think that that's I don't think they give a on. shit. Just <laughs> they don't. The money. No, exactly. You just have to dot the I's and cross the T's. Yeah. And... What they'll do is, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do anything, are you? Just promise me, <laughs> pinky swear, that you're not gonna do anything. That's me. why they've got Stavely. It's like the head, like the face of it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a fr- the, the three hundred million they've bought the club for is a fraction of the overall size of their investment fund, which is hundreds and hundreds of billions. They are very wealthy in in gas and oil. Uh, mm. They're also going into renewable energy now. Apparently, they're, they're doing something in the north of England with wind farms. So yeah, so these are the people that are now owning this club. Um, I personally am just it just doesn't quite sit well with me. The fact that the Premier League originally banned it and now we're hearing the reasons, it doesn't sit well with me with A that they're involved from a state level, but also B that the Premier League has given in so easily. Because if this was all it was, if this was the only reason that it wasn't it wasn't run because there were some pirate streams going on in Saudi Arabia and the Qatarian sports broadcaster didn't like mm. it. If that's the only reason, that seems really fishy to me. Mm. Problem is all these all these owners nowadays. You're not really going to have any sort of English owners because there's not really anyone rich enough to own these sort of clubs. They all have to be 
billion trillionaires. To yeah, mm. and as you say, we've, we've set the standard. So, you know, when somebody buys a club now, unless you're one of these guys yeah. with the billions of pounds, no one really cares. Like, no. well, you can buy the club, but it doesn't mean you're not going anywhere. You're no. not going to be able to compete with these guys. Not only do you have to have 500-odd million to buy the club, you've also got to have billions in the bank to spend on players. Mm. So, I mean, Amanda Stavely, as you said, is the, is the face of the club. Um, she has said that Newcastle deserve to be at the top of the league and winning the Premier League. What do you, what do you make of that comment? I'm not entirely sure why they deserve it. Deserves a bit of a strong word, isn't it? I mean, they've been in and out of the Premier League now for the last decade. They, they obviously did win it. Uh, sorry, no, I'm lying. They didn't win it. They got very close to winning mm. it under Kevin Keegan, who famously threw it away uh, as the season I mean, drew to a close. Every player <laughs> Every player like tries their best and deserves to be in with a shot, but I don't know why Newcastle specifically deserve to be with They're a big it. club that's fallen, mm. but that's about it, really. But they fell a long time ago. Yeah. It's not like they yeah. fell three or four years ago. You know, Arsenal, you could throw the same argument at Arsenal. But <laughs> I would say Arsenal's, even theirs is even more recent yeah. than Newcastle's is in terms of their fall from grace. I didn't realise that their owners are actually one of the wealthiest in the Premier League as well. Who, the Arsenal owners? Yeah. yeah, they're loaded. They just do yeah. nothing with the money with the club. Um, so, and then, of course, the, there's been some talk today about the, the future of, of Steve Bruce and the future of uh, the, the squad itself. I mean, how do you see this sort of shaping up? I think word I is think that... Steve Bruce has got hope in hell. No, job. word is apparently he's realistic about his future, which mm. is basically an acceptance that he knew that the second this deal went through that he was gone, he knew that the only reason he was still there yeah. was because... He was effectively keeping the chair warm for somebody else. Well, I was on Sky Sports earlier, and like the first thing I saw was Steve Bruce nearing the exit. Yeah, he's basically got his. He's already got his desk packed. He's just waiting mm. for the official P forty five. I mean, he? at the end of the day, they're going to go in. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they started buying up players in January because why wait? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, they'll go mad in January. Yeah, so you're going to bring in a manager that's going to get you closer to winning the title. I mean, they're not going to win the title for at least five or so years. Um, because they've got to buy these players slowly. Um, mm. But, you know, they're going to be getting in the likes of Jose Mourinho and stuff like that. Um, obviously not now because he's gone to Roma, but they'll be getting in that type of manager. You know, I wonder how... Uh, just how ambitious they'll be early, because if you think back to when Man City got their injection of cash... Mm. Um, they sort of went out and pretty much bought a new team. They had Mark Hughes at the helm for yeah. a bit, and then I think... Well, they got he was there. They got he was there, yeah. He was there for a bit as well, wasn't he? Because he was yeah. there when Robinho came in. Yeah. He famously thought he was going to Man United and not Man City. Yeah. Um, and they sort of bought this new team. They sort of flattered to deceive a little bit. They got higher up the league but didn't mm. really win anything. And then, of course, it all clicked when they bought one or two really big players. Uh, and I think, I'm going to say it was Mancini. Yeah. Was he the first one to win was something with Pelle City? Was it Pe Mancini or Pellegrini? I thought Pellegrini was after Mancini. Um, but uh, yeah, and then as you say, I wonder if that's what we're going to see with Newcastle. I feel like Newcastle have got an awful lot of clearing mm -hmm. out to do. I mean, there's off the top of my head, I'm really only thinking of two, maybe three players in that team that you can think you might be part of their future. I can only think two, well, one, to be honest. I well, just the obvious Saint one Maximin. is St. Maximin. Cannon Wilson's getting towards the latter stage of his career. I, I was... Being around... Yeah, I was thinking more of Jamal Lascelles. I think maybe he he'll Can be one see of him being in a Premier League winning team. I maybe not, but I think he'll be one of the last ones to be replaced. Put it that yeah, way, probably because um, he's captain. That um, and also I do think that um, 
this is going to be slightly controversial. No, don't worry, I'm not going to say Joe Linton. Um, I wonder if Almiron, under a better manager, might be able to do something. Yeah. I feel like he's got potential. I've never really particularly rated him, but every now and then you just see these little flashes and glimpses of, 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 of mm. brilliance and you think you know, a better manager, more positive manager, might just get a tune out of you yeah. and get, get a bit more out of you. John Joe. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I think he'll be on the same email for the P45 as Steve Bruce, I think. Mm. So uh, let's just quickly run over to uh, the fan section. So we asked everyone what their thoughts were um, of the the takeover, what the sort of general feeling about it was. So Fran, what was uh, what's everyone been saying? Um, well, the lovely Dave McGregor says it will take time for them to be title contenders, at least two to three years. I'm sure any supporter would love their club to have the financial backing. Why did they choose Newcastle though? Will it be the pre- will it make the Premier League stronger with all? the best players in the world, a financial possibility. I mean, you said it would, didn't you? Yeah, Yeah, and I guess they chose Newcastle because they're the only Premier League team that are up for sale, as far as I know. West Ham are. (laughs) Are they? Well, the owners have basically said if the right offer comes in, but they're really, they're holding... um, holding firm on their valuation at the moment, which I think is silly because we don't even own our fucking stadium. So I don't know why they think mm. we're worth so much money. Mm. Um, it does mean the West Ham have now got the worst owners in the Premier League, which is great. <laughs> um, Shearer obviously said best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I should imagine we're going to get a very excited Shearer mm. on the show next um, week. Craig said absolutely buzzing, best thing to happen to our club in the last 14 years of shit. And... Pete did a lovely little interview for Mike Lad. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mike said, "Bring on January the first, where we can actually start to build a Premier League team instead of selling our best players." Um, Pete said, "What do you think will be the outcome of uh, Steve Bruce?" Mike said, "Replace the new owners will want to choose who's going to manage their investments over the next few years. Who knows who that will be?" And then Pete asked, "Expectations over the next five years?" Obviously, Mike said, "Win the Prem." <laughs> who do you think that will be? That replaces Steve. Bruce. That replaces Steve Bruce. Realistically, say in January, Steve Bruce is gone. Who's coming in? Um, I don't think even with the money they've got right now, I don't think they're going to be able to to attract an elite manager unless they pay unbelievable amounts of money. And mm. at that point, you think the manager's probably coming in for the wrong reason. Um, so no Zidane. No, I can see someone like Brendan Rodgers going there because he's not having the greatest of time at Leicester right now. I can see him being tempted by a new project. He's been <laughs> yeah. there for a few years. Yeah, maybe. Um, <sighs> anywhere else, I mean, on the continent wise. Um, is Allegri still out of work? No, he's back at Juventus. He's now. back at Juventus, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. I mean, Conte's still out of work, but I think Conte, he'll, maybe he falls under the category of maybe... Of a back. Yeah, he might be the next yeah. manager. If yeah. things progress... Yeah, at the rate they want, then he might be the the next sort of caliber of manager they aim for. Ollie, <laughs> please. Well, they're not having David Boys. They can please fuck go. off. <laughs> Lampard. Oh, I think that's a bit too much room. Yeah, I mean, he. What what won't impress the owners is I mean, Mike Ladd said it there about the fact that the new owners are going to want somebody to come in and protect their investment. Mm. They want somebody to come in who they can trust with their money, and I don't think. Lampard did himself any favours with the money that he spent at Chelsea the fact that he alright he didn't have a huge amount of time before he was he was given the boot but he didn't look like he was making that team job after spending no. a lot of money so I don't think he'll be in the equation unless um, you know they do a, a Spurs and work their way through 20 managers before they find someone that actually wants to come mm. um, what about, sorry what about you what do, who do you think is going to come in 
I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, who's out there. I mean, it might be a completely off-the-cuff manager that we've sort of not really heard of. Yeah. Um, like, a, I mean, not saying I haven't heard of him, but maybe like an Unai Emre or something like that. Yeah, somebody um, that on the console someone, was doing well, a little yeah. bit under the radar. Yeah. Yeah, up and coming manager. Would they be tempted by someone like Roberto Martinez, bring him back into club management? Yeah. Um, he's at Belgium, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously it all depends on whether he'd want to... Joachim Love, he's no longer in Germany. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like any manager that's going there is going there for the wrong reasons, unless they're like a, a Frank Lampard or someone like that. Yeah. If they... Like you say, if they bring in like a Zidane or a Conte, I feel like, you know, they're going there to spend hundreds of millions. It becomes a play thing for them. Yeah. They know they're going to get a ridiculous payday. Yeah. If it don't work out, it don't matter. Because, because Guardiola didn't go straight to City. No. Um, he waited until they had an unbelievable team first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, yeah, maybe someone along those lines. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really pick like one name out to be honest no um, I'll be interested there, I don't know if anyone's seen maybe maybe while um, we talk about the, the links with transfers I mean I did see I'm just going to see whether or not there's been any movement on uh, next Newcastle manager yeah or I'd, I might have a quick look on the Sky Bennett so let's just take a quick look here uh, have we got anything in the odds department as we look through no nothing there I'll probably edit this bit out here we go. I've got the uh, odds. Go on, him. So the favourite is Lucien Favre. Mm. Lucien Favre. Favre. He is the current manager of uh, Dortmund, by the look of it. Oh, okay. Um, and then Brendan Rodgers is second favourite. I oh, know. I'm sorry. I'm, is he second favourite? Is he? Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm pleased with that. I Third favourite. Hadn't even seen it. Third favourite is Antonio Conte. Yeah. Then Roberto Martinez. Oh my god, I'm smashing it. You're in trouble in the quiz later, mate. Yeah. Then Steven Gerrard. That's not <sighs> He's done a pretty good job at Rangers, in fairness to him. Mm. Um so actually um Favre is actually not the uh manager. He was sacked in December twenty twenty, so he's actually not not in work at the moment. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, he's favourite. Um and then there are sort of other five that are in the top ten are Graham Jones. No idea that is. No. Eddie Howe. Yeah. Graham Potter. Okay, yeah. Frank Lampard. Yeah. And Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane. I'll tell you what, anyone listening right now is going to be like bollocks. They've definitely looked at the odds before, <laughs> before they had that conversation. Um, but I'm, I'm quite glad to hear Eddie Howe, Graham Potter's name in there. Because, you know, Eddie Howe's been out of work for a little while. He's did a good job at Bournemouth. Mm. Graham Potter's doing really well at Brighton. He plays a nice style of football as well. Which is something that will definitely appeal to Newcastle fans. So, um, okay, let's talk about links with transfers. So there's been lots of talk about players that are coming. Um, I mean, how do you see this Newcastle team forming? I mean, there's a real risk here that they go they go a bit too crazy. And yeah. they build a team that just doesn't gel. And they sort of, it really takes the, the, the excitement away from... It's got to be built up slowly. You can't be bringing in... Money. You, I mean, if they bring in any superstars, they're going to be there for the money. Yeah. They're not there unless they're youngsters. You know, there's pointless bringing in like a, a 30 year old superstar because they're not going to be there for the big project. Yeah. The big picture. I mean, there's even been rumors about Ronaldo going there that I've been seeing. Yeah. I mean, this he's is not literally going to win anything, is he? No, this is literally a journalist wet dream right mm. now because <laughs> they can just write anything there. and write anybody. It's just spin the bottle and see. It what really is. is. I've seen, well, I've seen the team 
that apparently they're sort of linked with and half of them are all United players so Van der Beek's been linked with them yeah uh, Martial has been linked with yeah. them Bailly Ling- has been linked with Lingard them. Lingard's been linked with them um, Ronaldo I think was in the mid- I, don't, I don't think he was on yeah. I think I saw the same yeah, screenshot yeah. and he wasn't on that and then they had Icardi up front yeah Icardi yeah. Um, so yeah it's <laughs> It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, it's almost like a game of football manager now for them, isn't it? Where you've gone in the database, yeah. giving your team loads of money. Added in the cheat codes. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, I guess in terms of the, the overall feeling, if I just touch on that again quickly, I do I do almost feel like I would be a bit of a hypocrite with this because I'm sitting here now as a fan of an opposing team whose team are on the rise, doing well with on, mm. a, on, a, on a budget to compared to the other clubs. Um, and I'm sitting here saying, I oh, know it's not good for football, it's too much money coming in, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like if this was West Ham we were talking about and our owners had finally been bought out and we'd have some kind of oil tycoon billionaire come in, mm. I think that I, would, I wouldn't I would be able to not be excited about the prospect of building an amazing team, maybe redoing parts of the stadium, being in the Champions League every year. I mean, any fan who says that they don't want that is lying. Yeah. And regardless of how that money comes in, they won't care if they see success on the pitch. They mm. won't. They just won't. Yeah, I've got no negativity towards it at all. Like, I'm actually quite excited to see who they bring in and how they progress over the next few yeah, years. Yeah, it's just it's just the morality of it because of how the, cl- the, the country is run and the human rights issues. That's where the issue lies. It's not necessarily the fact that the money is coming into the English game because it's been there for a long time, frankly. It's more the 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 intentions behind the ownership and all this kind of stuff, um, and we've yet to see an example of where what happens when these guys get bored and don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, um, unfortunately, we don't really have much say in it. Um, we're all just spectators along for the ride. So. Are they because they're not going to want to sell it for cheap, are they? No. So. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see so what, what did it go for 300 300 million which was obviously a structured deal to pay off mm. loans and um, pays for the valuation of the club etc do you think for to buy an entire club is seems quite cheap when in terms of like yeah, Neymar cost 220 yeah. million yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know what you mean and, and bearing in mind that you know according to Will and we, we trust his uh, his research that you know only about 100 whatever it was 130 million or whatever mm. it was that he said that was the club valuation. The other hundred odd million uh, was for the repayments of the loans, interest-free loans from Mike Ashley, and then the rest of it on top of that will probably just be a, you know, a profit bonus yeah. for for Ashley himself. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, right, let's um, let's move on. Um, we will, of course, retouch the subject next week. I'm sure Shearer will bring a very different look and feel about uh, the club and what the fans think. He'd also be able to tell us what the general fan feeling is, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure he'll be members of various Facebook groups and tell us what the general feeling is among Newcastle fans. And by then, who knows, we might have a new manager as well because mm. it sounds like, at the very least, Bruce is not going to be there come the end of this week. Um, so there'll be a temporary manager I'm in charge, I'm sure. I don't think they'll be rushing things as long as Newcastle aren't in any serious danger of relegation, yeah. um, which you really can't be at this time of the year. No. So I don't think we're going to get a new manager announcement for a little while yet unless they've got somebody deadlined up already. Right, okay, let's get on. Let's get into the stat. Down the stat, man! So Tammy Abraham became the first England player to score for the three Lions while affiliated to an Italian team since who? Um, there's a couple of names off the top of my head. One is Gazza. Nope. Good guesser. 
Uh, Gary Lineker. Nope. Uh, John Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, who else went abroad? I can tell you the team he played for. Go on. Sampdoria. Oh, fucking hell. He went to Sampdoria? Um, no. That's, that's throwing me that as... David Platt. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah, I thought he was because he was at Inter Milan, I think, for a bit. David Platt. I didn't realize he'd gone to Sampdoria. I think. Right. Okay. Um, let's move on then. So, Frank, give us a quick update before we play the jingle. Where are we at? Four all. Four all. Is it? And who's serve? I think it's yours, isn't it? Or is it mine? I think it's yours, Fran. Um, is he Chris? Yeah, lovely. Because so. we always. When, when the other person said That's right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. Right, okay, here comes the jingle. I shouldn't have said that. Welcome back to Football with Fran. So yes, for all. Very tight this season. Got to win on a serve. Because mm. otherwise you're, you're winning. If it just goes against yeah. the serve, you're winning so this. So what do we just say? It's your... So it's, it's my your, serve, your, yeah. Your, yeah, okay. Still right. no pen and paper. What's <laughs> 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 that, like four weeks? <laughs> okay. First player. There's a, there's a theme this week. Mm. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale played for five teams. Okay. How are we feeling about this one? I will go with... Uh, three. Yeah, I'm going to go three. <laughs> yeah, shock. <laughs> sure. Daniel? Well, I know he knows three. <laughs> um, I will go with four. I'm trying to think who the third one was. Right. I heard four. Yeah, I'll go with four. I mean, yeah. it's just going to be... I'm going to get it wrong because I'm just going to have to guess. But I can't remember the third one. Yeah, I'm not going five, so all yours. Uh, uh, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Sheffield United. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Sheffield United, Bournemouth. Yeah. Are they both loans or were they permanent? They're both loans. Oh, sure. <laughs> Frickin' uh, um, Norwich. No. I went on loan to Chesterfield and Wimbledon. <laughs> How did you I not know that? I didn't know that. Was... <laughs> I no, I did think it was ambitious. Well, I, I knew he knew three yeah. of them, so I had no chance on that one. Chris, well done. Silly choice to go first. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dan, next player, Harry Maguire. Five teams. Four. Oh, girl. Yeah, to be fair, I'm not even sure I could do four, so all yours. United. Yeah. Leicester. Yeah. Hull. Yeah. And that's the three I had. And Sheffield United. Yes, Daniel, smash that. Forgot he was at Sheffield United, well played. You made a hundred... Very confident, like it. 134 appearances for Sheffield. Did he? Mm. And what was the the other club? Uh, Wigan, went on loan to Wigan. Okay. Scored a goal for Wigan as well. You um, should do that for United. <laughs> Chris, back to you. Um, 
Jesse Lingard, six teams. Wow, okay. You're just going to have to pick these out of the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm more concerned that I'm going to miss an obvious one. Um, I genuinely can only do two. I think, I've, I think I'm missing an obvious one. Yeah, I can't think of more than... I think they're going to be four loans. He's been at United his whole career. That's what, so yeah. Five loans, sorry. So it'll be United and then five loans. I'll, I'll say three. Um, and I'll just have to try and guess. Yeah, all yours. Go then. So it'll be United and West Ham. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to think really where he's played. I know he's quite keen on being up north, so I feel like it'll be northern clubs. Uh, I want to say Newcastle. No. No. Uh, Leicester. Oh, Leicester. Birmingham. <laughs> Brighton. And Derby. Well, outside of Brighton, you were you're right that he was Midlands and above. Mm. Chris? There you go, 2-1. It's one. really annoying. I was going to say Leicester and I changed my mind and I was trying to envision him. Envisit. Envision. Yeah. Just can't, should we just move on? <laughs> yeah, picture. Kind of picture him in kits. Uh, Chris? Uh, it's Daniel. No, Dan. Yeah. Uh, the next I've never guessed yet. You've done it all, mate. Yeah. Oh, I'm annoyed about that. There's a lot... Of, there's a lot of loans. Is this the theme? They've all, they're all loans. <laughs> uh, Patrick Bamford, eight teams. Oh, man. I feel like we've done him before. But I... Yeah. Three. I'll go four. I'm very confident. I'll let you guess him because I can't think of five. I only know three. Okay. Let, let Chris have some air time. Okay. <laughs> uh, Leeds. How many did you say you could do? Four. Right, Leeds, yeah. Leeds. Six. <laughs> uh, Norwich. Yeah. Palace. Yeah. <sighs> See, I want to say Chelsea, but I'm pretty sure he didn't actually play a game for them. Um... Um, I mean, there's so many other like championship teams as well. Accrington Stanley. <laughs> I'm going to risk it and say Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Yeah. Well and done. Middlesbrough. Did he play? Did he play a game for Chelsea? No. He didn't. Thank God for that. So <laughs> I would have been really Nottingham annoyed. Nottingham Forest, Milton Keynes, Derby, Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace, Norwich, <coughs> Middlesbrough, Leeds. Lovely. It goes. Well done, Chris. He's won a game on the serve. Yeah. Right then. Well done. Um, who knows? Do you catch my cable? It's over to me then for the last. Over to you, yes. God, I'm getting confused. Um, yeah, so the last one Dominic Calvert Lewin. Only played for four teams, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Um... I'll try two. I'll say three. Can you? Oh, that was confident. No, he's got no idea. <laughs> it's got I've a bit to lose, though. Does it? Four. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm probably going to um, buy that one too. Here. Everton. Yeah. West Brom. No. There we go. <laughs> I'm, I would have said Norwich. No. Good. Good. Uh, Sheffield United. Everyone's been there, hasn't they? Sally, Sally Bridge. So. 
Celtic. Oh, yeah. Northampton Town, Everton. That's a, quite a career, isn't it? <laughs> right, well, there we go. So uh, Been at Everton since 2016. He's not that old now, is he, really? Well, well, how old is he? He's like 28. He's he? 24. Oh. 24 and he's been there since 2016 he's the only 24 yeah wow so he's been so all those other clubs were before he was the age of 19 yeah mm. interesting well bit of a scruffy game that one there Dan yeah that but, was quite tough but I'll take it that was Lone like a, clubs are always yeah. horrible that was like a, you like no well I very much the theme was obviously the England squad oh not loan clubs. I, I thought you were just trying to screw us over with loan <laughs> I clubs. Was loan <laughs> Absolutely not. No, yeah. it was just England players. That was like a scrappy one nil victory midweek in the rain. That one, mm. not very pretty, but we got the job done. Mm. So five four going into next week. Then we are pretty much at, almost at halfway. On the assumption it carries on like this, we're about halfway through the quiz. Yeah. So what we're talking, we're almost. It'll be almost Christmas, I reckon, by the time we get a result, um, and then. Uh, the forfeit's coming. Mm. Have you got one lined up for me? If uh, if I, I've still got plenty of chilies left. <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. <laughs> I um, think of something. Excellent. Right. Well, appreciate everyone listening. As always, uh, do hit that uh, subscribe button to make sure you get all the latest shows on our YouTube as well. We've got LMA Manager coming out again this week as we close the first season out. Um, I think we we said before we're going to do a live stream fairly soon and we're coming to how many games we've got left in that now like 10 yeah so I think we'll, we'll do three more tonight and then we may that might be it and then we might do a live stream for the last yeah. for the last batch of them so uh, keep your eyes peeled on social media for that we'll let everyone know when that happens otherwise thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all next week bye bye bye